Hey everybody. Hey, 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 hey. Welcome back. I didn't that sounded like I was singing, but I wasn't trying to. Welcome back to another episode of the Sex Talk. I'm so excited to be here per usual. We're in season five now, and um it's been such a great journey. So many great conversations have been had so far, and so many great conversations are to be had in the near future. I really want to encourage everybody to um, connect with us on social media, shoot shoot us emails, all that good stuff. Let 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 the sex talk know how your TST experience is going is going, and if you have any questions or if you want to um, continue a conversation, um, yeah. You know how this goes. I can't have the conversation without you. And I look forward to having a conversation with you every time. You know, if you're not connected with us via social media, I suggest you to do that. You know, get connected via Facebook. We have Twitter. We have um, Instagram, which is our main, um, you know, our main focus. Uh, and really great stuff is posted on the Instagram. But yeah, stay tuned and and get active. Talk to us. Don't be shy, okay? Um, we're going to get into today's topic. So, like I like I promised via Instagram, I'm going to handle this topic with care. Not only because I am a queer person myself, but dealing with internalized shit is not easy. And, like I said, I'm not a licensed therapist. I'm not even a relationship coach. You know? None of that shit. I am not a practitioner of any professional uh, mental health shit. However, I am a queer person who has dealt with uh, what we're talking about today. And, you know, it's an ongoing journey, especially because of the society that we live in. Um, a lot of odds are against us. Majority of the odds are against us, you know, but we we choose our journey. We choose our peace. We choose the way that we view things and we choose to learn, unlearn, relearn, whatever. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't our fault that we learned it this way. But once we knew better, we should do better, okay? So anyway, um, I'm your host, Sunny. I'm 29. My pronouns are she, her. I identify as queer, and I'm black and slash African-American. You know what's funny? I, um, I actually, I always struggle with that part because it's like, it says ethnicity, but to be black is not an ethnicity, you know? And race was created, and so like blackness is a political thing and so is it like is it like is blackness is blackness like yeah damn I never really thought about it but I always I always flinch when I'm about to say it I love being black absolutely but I re I, I learned that um the reason why the B is capitalized in black is because you know it's how we identify ourselves and it, black is not an ethnicity. It's something that was created and black people turned it into something after, you know what I'm saying? After, after race was created, black people turned blackness into something um, that we're, well, I'm very proud of, right? Um, but yeah, in African-American, it's like, I'm African-American. I, didn't, I, I say I'm African-American, but I'm I'm black without history, right? I'm black without my African history. Like blackness is my history. 
anyway <laughs> I still am trying to learn like like learn myself like what does it mean to what is it what does it mean to identify as black holistically and things like that and if I don't have an ethnicity what does that mean you know what I'm saying like in my, in my veins you know like say I did a DNA test my 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 blood work or like whatever it is that they use or saliva it goes back to whoever my whoever owned my ancestors it doesn't go back to you know the motherland or whatever that's where black folks history is cut off um which is insane but if an african person did it it would be very different right um but anyway that's I digress. It's just a, a thought. I always, I always flinch a little because I'm just like, I'm like, I'm black, I'm black, but like, maybe I should chip. But it's like I don't even fuck with race like that. Like, what does, what does race mean? But ah, it's just a food for thought. Anyway, my relationship to today's topic is that I'm a queer person myself. I was, I was outed, and I dealt with a lot of. Uh, trauma about internalized uh homophobia i'm sorry my notes say something different so i was <laughs> my notes say something different i must have had a typo oh, okay i've dealt with a tremendous amount of internalized homophobia i believe that unlearning and relearning is a lifelong process and i'm ready to grow and learn with the tst community yeah, there was a little typo in there. But yeah, I've dealt with a lot of trauma. I'm sure like all queer people have. Um, and being a queer black person, it's a different experience, etc., etc. So anyway, let's talk about it. So I want everybody to clutch their pearls. Take a deep breath. This conversation is not going to be easy. It wasn't even easy to, you know what I'm saying, get the notes together. Like, you know, like. When I talk, when I do these conversations, it's not a walk in the park. It might sound like it. It might sound like it when I'm like recording the episode because of the attitude that I have about this stuff. But I really love the work that we're doing here at the Sex Talk, but it's not easy at all. And it takes a lot of mental and emotional energy, especially when I want to check my own bias and make sure that I'm being honest to the lens that I view these topics from, right? I personally believe that we should speak from our own experiential knowledge. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's facts. There's things that are black and white about certain things. Um, there's things that are inevitable. There are societal impact, etc. But it, I can't, you know, speak for everybody. I can't speak for every queer, black, you know, plus-size, femme-identified person when I say X. You know, like, I have to speak from my own experiential knowledge and if I don't have experience in that thing I think it's important to pass the mic to somebody who does which I feel like a lot of leaders can learn from that statement in itself shout out to the leaders who raised me because I didn't I I I did not come up with this idea on my own you know I've had really amazing leaders in my life to teach me to you know and 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 mold me and 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 foster my talent and my potential into who I am today and who I'm growing to be right so don't be afraid to pass the mic okay so uh yeah if you want to support the sex talk please feel free to do so by um commenting liking sharing our stuff 
uh, tapping in with us on social media, engaging with our posts. And if you want to give a monetary gift, please feel free to do so. Um, we take Cash App or Venmo at TSTTV143. Again, that's TSTTV143. Um, you can PayPal us via our email. And if you want to um, use another avenue to donate, please send us an email. Um, and we can figure out, you know, address and all, addresses and all that good stuff. So don't you worry your little head. Okay. Um, so yeah, let's just jump right into it. Okay. So I'm going to get into some statistics. I'm going to get into some facts and then I'm going to talk about what internalized homophobia can look like. And then I'm going to, I want to issue a big trigger warning because I'm going to speak about, uh, you know, uh, different behaviors and, um, briefly touch on suicide and, um, and I'm going to self-disclose to an extent. And I think that's how you have a good conversation, right? Um, so let's get into the queer stats, right? So the total population of everybody, right, in the world, like the, the population of the world. And I like to look at numbers to make things more practical and, you know, just have a more clear view of what it is that I'm addressing, right? So our total population outside of orientation, just people in general, um, is, uh, you know, dated, date, like, I guess there was an update in the, um, (laughs) in the population number, right? In 2020, that's where I got the stat from. I don't know if it's still this, this amount of people or less, but in 2020, the total population was marked at 7.753 billion. I don't know why I said it like that. 7.753 billion people. Okay? So that's a billion. I don't even know a billion people. If I knew a billion people, that would be a lot in my head to think about. Like, I, if I met a billion people, I feel like that would be overwhelming. Like, that just seems like too much. <laughs> okay? So there's 7.7 billion people in the world uh, as of 200 I mean two, 2020 as of two, 2020 okay so the hill.com set, states that an estimated 20 million US adults identify as lesbian, gay bisexual, transgender according to a HRC analysis of government data okay and then it also says that that's nearly two times larger than prior estimates and represents nearly 8% of the nation's total adult population. 8%. 8, okay? Um, and then also it says bisexual adults comprise the largest contingent of the LGBTQIA plus people in the U.S., representing 4% of the LGBTQIA plus population while gay and lesbian adults represent three percent of the population okay so there's reported reported okay it says that there's four percent people of the population that identify as bisexual and three percent identify as lesbian and gay what do you think about that 
Okay, so boom, let's move over to the global human rights uh, stats. Globalhumanrights.org says 60 countries still have laws that effectively criminalize homosexuality. Now, now, mind you, I copy and paste these facts and I read them as they are. And I just think that homosexuality, the word itself is very archaic, but I digress. What do you think about that? The next stat says 350 murders of transgender people were uh, reported in 2020. 350, okay? And 83% LGBTQ people hide their sexual orientation. Damn. 83%. Now, globalhumanrights.org states these, you know what I'm saying? So now, I don't know if that's worldwide. I don't know if that's the U.S. only, but 83%. I could definitely say that um, I am hetero-passing. I acknowledge that. I have a lot of... I've had a lot of conversations with people who say, like, I don't know what the fuck you are. Like, I didn't know if you were straight. I didn't know if you was gay. Like, and so, like, I've, I've, like, developed an understanding of my own queer ambiguity, right? And so, um, do I, do I disclose my sexual orientation everywhere I go? No. Out of safety, right? Um, but in certain settings and in, in, in most days I've got, I've gotten to a place with my orientation and and my identity myself where I, I live, I live, I dress, I present the way that I want to, if I'm in a relationship with the same sex person or whatever, I express my love freely, uh, to my comfortability, things like that. You know, it's just case by case. Right. Um, and then there's also certain protective measures that I take, uh, personally to protect or defend myself should I need to do so just off the rip that I'm black, I'm woman, I'm a woman and I'm, you know, I'm queer. Um, but like I said, queer ambiguity has me in a place where I am and uh, hetero passing in certain settings of people who don't have a gaydar, right? <laughs> but yeah, I can totally see why people would uh, conceal their identity or hide their sexual orientation based off safe- safety um, or even like religious beliefs or, you know, familial ties and things like that. But we'll get into that, okay? What do you think about that? Now, population now let's so i i'm i'm gonna get more specific uh because because the largest you know community and the largest listening um stats are people who are in um minnesota when it comes to tsc that's where we're based like i live in the twin cities and so I want to do Twin City, like Minnesota statistics, but also I'm going to talk about other, like, you know, I'm going to talk about other places. Um, and then also I'm going to give out the, the addresses, uh, the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Those site addresses. So if you're interested in looking at the stats in your the city and town that you're not from the Twin Cities, you could do that. Okay. Um, so boom. I just want to acknowledge that and I appreciate everybody who's listening outside of the Twin Cities and outside of the United States. I see that. I see that. I see y'all. I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. Okay. So uh, population of people in Minnesota is 5.64 million as of 2019. 
and William the William Institute okay williaminstitute.law.ucla.edu before I get into y'all stats I just want to say that I have a problem with the way that you built your stats very exclusive and very dismissive but we'll get into that now and 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 I'm going to I'm going to I'm just going to read them but I I acknowledge that these are exclusive and, and dismissive and it seems like you know either you didn't have enough time to you know do the work which is like if you don't have enough time to do the work then you know slow down or pass the microphone right because you'll see I'm just gonna read it right I'm just gonna read it and you'll be able to decide what's exclusive and what's dismissive okay now these are copy and pasted the way that I'm gonna read them in Minnesota 4.1 percent of the population identifies as LGBTQ 41 percent male 59% female, 81% white, 11% all other races, and 8% Latino slash Latina, okay? I don't think I need to really dive deep into why I feel like that's exclusive and dismissive. If you've been listening to the sex talk for a while, you understand why that seems very exclusive. Exclusive meaning excluding people uh, a lot of people right um again that's the i got that i copy and pasted those stats from william institute.law.ucla.edu so if you want to look them up and give them a piece of your mind i'm not going to stop you okay and then also more to know is that five percent of this population um, is unemployed, 6% is uninsured, 21% is food insecure, and 19% are making less than $24,000 a year. So I'm curious to know the race of the people within those stats because that is not specified in, in on the website. It just says 5%, da-da-da. It doesn't say 5% identifying as all other races are unemployed. But I'm curious to know, like, who... Who is food insecure and who's making less than twenty four thousand? What color of people are the? You know, what gender of people are they? You know what I'm saying? It just say I just I it just says male and female. You know, so I have a problem with that. It's very exclusive. If you're gonna do the research, do it. Like, if you're gonna get the numbers, do the research correctly and hit the marks. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's more genders in the world than male and female and there's more races in the world than white latino and all other races like that's stupid like y'all really fucked up with that one but i digress so it looks like the identifiable identifiable it looks like the identifiable lgbtqia plus community makes up a very small percent of the population in minnesota however the district of columbia had the highest stat of nine percent the highest stat of 9% of LGBTQIA plus people reported in the state. All other states were less than that, mainly between 4 and 5%. Okay, what do you think about that? Being a queer person and being immersed in the LGBTQ community, it feels like there's a lot of queer people around, but like just based off these stats alone, it's like, I mean, who, like I said, it doesn't sound like the person or the people or a group of people 
um, was very aware of intersectionality on how uh, and how to research things. But also, when you're doing research, you gotta take your time to build the relationship with the people that you're asking their personal information with. You know what I'm saying? So they probably just found open, identifiable people who were queer. I don't know who. Where did you go to find these stats? Like, you know, did you go to a gay bar? Like, and just assume everybody in there was gay? Like, where did you go to find this? Um, but like I said, like being immersed in the in the queer community and knowing like a lot of I have a lot of queer friends and so you know what I'm saying when I'm surrounded by queer people I wouldn't think that uh the uh the the amount of the population of us is like four percent in in the city and state that I live in um so it's just really interesting um to see the numbers and I wanted to it opened my mind more to the fact that we're we're a really small population but that's just of us who are out right and willing to disclose that information to people who are doing research and, and census um, data collections, right? So what do you think about that? Um, when it comes to these statistics, I wonder about the safety of queer folks to actually be out and open about their sexual orientation, access to resources, legal aid, basic needs, um, life skills, healthy relationships, and community. I think about those things, right? Especially because I've been affected by those things. And I've had to develop those things for myself. Shout out to my village. Shout out to my tribe. Shout out to the people who raised me. You know, uh, community is so important. And a lot of the life skills and and resources that I've been able to attain and and build are because of my tribe and community. People who love me and let me be who I am. And shit like that. Okay? So, let's get into it. Let's define phobia just all gp so what the fuck does phobia mean a phobia is a type of anxiety disorder defined by a persistent and excessive fear of an object or situation phobias typically result in a rapid onset of fear and are present for more than six months okay what do you think about that now let's define homophobia okay homophobia encompasses a range of negative attitudes and feelings towards homosexuality or people who are identified or perceived as being lesbian gay bisexual or transgender those are the google definitions so shout out to the rainbowproject.org okay so um yeah rainbow project they 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 did they shit like i really appreciated what i found on their website um and I, I want to uh, encourage you all again to tap into these websites. If you if you want to know more, and if you want me to send you these websites in particular, it ain't nothing but a copy and paste away, okay? And um, I want you to, like, look into these. If you're dealing with internalized homophobia as, as a heterosexual person or a queer person, whatever, you know, like, I... I, I I encourage you to look into this research, you know what I'm saying? Because it's a real thing. Any type of phobia is a real thing. It's an anxiety disorder, having a phobia. And I've never I've never looked at it that way, but that's the that's the definition of a phobia. It's an anxiety disorder and a fear of something. Okay. Um right, so boom. Internalized homophobia. So how can internalized homophobia uh develop? Um, it can develop by uh, the oppression. When oppression happens to gay, lesbian, bisexual people and even heterosexuals uh, who learn it and have been taught that heterosexuality is the norm 
and quote-unquote correct way to be. Hearing and seeing negative depictions of the LGBTQIA plus people can lead to internalize or take in these negative messages. Some LGBTQIA plus people suffer from mental distress as a result. You can feel when someone has a prejudice towards you. You know what I'm saying? I can feel when someone has a prejudice towards me. Which prejudice it is, I don't know. I don't always know. Because there's times where I've walked into a room with a shaved head. And I'm like, I think people hate my hair. I think people hate my hair, right? I can feel it. (laughs) You know? Or they hate that I'm a larger person. Like, I have a large body. You know what I'm saying? Like, you could, it's like you could feel it, right? Um, And I've even had a conversation um, with, uh, you know, white people. And, 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 and white, there's a white person in particular that just told me, like, I can feel that you don't like me because I'm white. And I'm like, you're right. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) I'm like, but it's like, first of all, I just want to say we have that, we have that rapport, right? It's interesting. It's interesting. I'm not going to out them, but we have that rapport in our relationship or our bond or whatever the fuck we had going on. Um, that person had had caused harm to me, right? And so I had I had internalized shit that I was still dealing with, um, but sometimes it would just come out. It would just come out in, in the midst of a conversation. You could just feel it, right? I feel it, and I I would try to you know I wouldn't think too much of it because I'm like, well, the way I feel is justified. But I I really appreciate the fact that they acknowledge that. Like I can feel your prejudice towards me, and um and I and I wanted to validate that. Yes, that's correct. I question my relation to you today, right now, in this moment. You know what I'm saying? Um, Is it justified? Absolutely. Is it healthy for me to hold that inside of me? No. I'm going to work it out. Um, Is that going to change our relationship? It might. Okay? (laughs) But like I said, you you could feel it. And when you're around people who have a prejudice towards you, it can really fuck with your mental health. Um, so yeah, that's why I believe in healthy community, healthy relationships, talking shit out. Sometimes you got to talk shit out and part ways, or sometimes you can talk shit out and it can improve your relationship. But are you willing to deal with the repercussions of the truth? Okay. Um, yeah. What do you think about that? So internalized homophobia manifests itself in very varying ways that can be linked to mental health. Um, Examples include, okay, clutch your pearls, clutch your pearls. The reason why I say clutch your pearls is because you're going to feel seen. You're going to feel seen. Like these facts are going to read you. They read me. That's why I want to issue a trigger warning. These motherfucking facts read me. They got me together one time and it don't always feel good. You know what I'm saying? So, um. I just want to let y'all know, like, I love y'all. If you're here, if you're here, I love you. And we doing this together. We learning together. Okay, we got this. So these examples can include, number one, denial of your sexual orientation to yourself and others. Number two, attempts to alter or change your sexual orientation. Example. Now, these are examples that I thought of. For example, um, pray the gay away. 
or dress a certain way. Like if you if you genuinely want to present more masculine, you might dress more feminine to hide your sexuality, okay? Or your gender identity or your gender expression. Um, you might force yourself to watch heterosexual uh, or hetero performing pornography just to ingrain it in your head, right? Um, that's harmful. That's that's self harm, right? And and it's like it's not 100% just your fault, you know. Like we have a lot of different um, avenues and channels that are aggressively telling us that heterosexuality is the normal way. It can be aggressively telling us or um, subconsciously programming us that heterosexuality is the way, period. There's no, that's the normal way. That's the norm. That's the way to do it. Um, steeped in patriarchy, steeped in, you know what I'm saying? Misogyny, misogynoir, sexism, all that good stuff. Anything that's outside of the dominating access of privilege. Okay. Um, or even dating folks, the opposite gender, you know what I'm saying? Like if you, if you are now, now mind you, to go back to our gender unicorn conversation, um, there's layers to gender expression, sexual orientation, sexual, um, sexual attraction and sex assigned at birth, like genitalia, there's a spectrum to all these things. Okay. And so the, the, the example I want to use is if you're a gay man and you, and you, and you choose and you and you force yourself to date hetero women and you're not attracted to hetero women women assigned at birth you're not attracted to them that is a form of altering your sexual orientation okay boom uh number three feeling you are never good enough number four engaging in obsessive thinking and or compulsive behaviors Number five, underachievement or even overachievement as a bid of acceptance. Number six, low self-esteem, negative body image. Number seven, contempt for more open or obvious members of the LGBTQIA plus community. And the definition of contempt is the feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration, worth is worthless or deserving scorn. Okay. Number eight, contempt to those contempt for those at earlier stages of their coming out process. Number nine, denying denial that homophobia, heterosexism, biphobia, or sexism are serious social problems. Uh, number ten, contempt for those that are not like ourselves or contempt for those who seem like ourselves, right? So have you ever met a person where you're like, you just hate them and you don't know why, but later you feel like you're, you, later you learn that you, you are a lot alike and that person reflects those things within you and you hate them, but really it's the hate that you have for yourself. <laughs> That's how bullies work a lot of times too, you know? Um, I have been a victim of bullying and I've been a bully before, um, in hindsight, and, and, and I've actually, I've actually, 
I've, in, in my adult years, I've apologized. I've reached out and apologized to every person that I bullied growing up. There's only one person I can't find. And that was the person that I was the, the meanest to. And it kills me that I can't find her. Um, but in hindsight, as I started growing, maturing, going through therapy and going through my own shit and working through it, I realized that the people that I bullied, it were they reflected the things within me that I hated about myself. Um, and it was some sick ass shit. You know what I'm saying? It was sick to, and also my mother, my primary caretaker was a bully. And so I just perpetuated that behavior in other places that I went. Now, mind you, I wasn't a bully to everybody. It was specific people that just ignited this hate within me. And I'm like, I have to act this out. You know what I'm saying? And I can only imagine that the people that bullied me, um, felt the same way. I triggered something in them. I represented something for them that they did not like. And so I was the victim. I was their victim at the time, you know? Um, and then, and yeah, it's just, it's just this cycle of, of hatred and this cycle of self-harm and harming others that we have to disrupt, um, and, and work on, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, it takes the work that we're doing here to do that, you know? And so, I mean, we're getting real in this episode and I'm disclosing a lot, which I'm not, I'm not afraid to share because my healing isn't just my own, it's others as well. It's, you know, my healing is my sister's healing, my, my healing is my niece's healing, my healing is my lover's healing, whatever it is. Like I'd rather be healed, healed and sane so that I can have healthy relationships in my life. Right. So it takes a lot of work. Um, but boom, sometimes distancing by engaging in homophobic, um, behaviors like ridicule uh harassment verbal or physical attacks on other lgbtqia people um that was just the second part of that number 10 but yeah what do you think about that have you ever been a bully have you ever been bullied you know what i'm saying have your have your parents or your siblings bullied you etc etc i remember there was this guy uh that i went to school with he was such a bully and it really bothered me the people that he would bully were always smaller than him um and so i definitely feel like he dealt with fat phobia but as i got older i realized that he's gay you know what i'm saying like he would he would bully skinny people and gay people and i'm like he just he just hates his body he doesn't like his body and he doesn't like that he's gay um but you know i hope that he has found healing i don't know where he is now but i'll never forget him uh, but yeah, <laughs> I was bullied. I hated that. After a while, I started to hate bullies. Then I, you know, got got into a place where I'm like, look, leave niggas alone. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but anyway, what do you think about that? Number 11, becoming psychologically uh, abused or abusive or remaining in an abusive relationship is a form of um, internalized homophobia. Number 12, attempts to pass as heterosexual, sometimes marrying someone of the other sex to gain social approval or in hope of being, quote unquote, being cured. Um, We talked about this. This can go hand in hand with our download community conversation. Um, I think we talked about the beard or the mustache or the, I can't remember, the beard or the mustache um, in the download community, like, you know, gay, gay men, for example, who are in relationships or married to women, um, for, you know, for the, like to be forward facing, but behind closed doors, they sleep with are are in download relationships with the same sex. Um, that's a real thing. 
you know, number 13, yeah, number 13 is shame or depression, defensiveness or anger or bitterness. Number 14 is continual self-monitoring of one monitoring of one's behaviors, mannerisms, beliefs and ideas. This reminds me this this one reminds me of the conversation that we had with Quincy about masculinity versus femininity and Quincy disclosed that um you know there were times where he grew up in church and um people would approach him about his mannerisms about using his hands when he talks or the way that he walks or even clothes that he wore and even saying you know it was it, uh, for me you know like uh I was always told to keep my legs closed when I would sit down it's not ladylike um or even like I wasn't allowed to wear baggy clothes or masculine looking clothes when I was younger um and things like that but also I was also I I couldn't wear baggy clothes that looked masculine but I was also told to cover up because I always had big titties and a big booty you know what I'm saying um so it's like I can't win for losing y'all just censoring the fuck out of me but yeah um things can come off as aggressive or masculine or feminine and da 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 right so continuing continual self-monitoring and a lot of that uh and, and and policing and censorship can come from outside sources as well too so this we not the only ones to blame when we're dealing with internalized homophobia so i don't want us to forget that um number 15 reluctance to be around or have concern for children for fear okay trigger warning i want to trigger i want to issue a big trigger warning for this one so i'm going to reread it reluctance to be around or have concern for children for fear of being seen as a pedophile one of the one of the biggest myths about queer people is that we are pedophiles the when it comes to pedophilia and sexuality those things are very separate now i watched a documentary where there's a i forgot where this woman is um she is oh where the fuck is she i forgot where she i gotta find it but and i want to rewatch it too there's a woman who works with um you know ex ex sex offender oh well sex offenders who are trying to gain re-entry into society and like there's this program i think it's in the uk um um there's this program and and housing facility that's for sex offenders who you know, want to be back in civilization, um, with, you know, live a quote unquote regular lifestyle and something that I, uh, you know, I, I, I agree that there, there should be research and there should be, um, a community for sex offenders who serve their time and re-enter, you know, society. There should be a very specific community for pedophiles. Um, Now, what I disagree with in that documentary is that she said that there was a, she was trying to link sexual orientation to pedophilia. I disagree with that completely. And I don't know how, I don't know where she is in her research, but she got another fucking thing coming to think that she can link the two. Uh, I think that pedophilia has more to do with mental health and sexual violence than sexual orientation. To be attracted to a child is a mental disorder, okay? It is a, is a mutation in your brain that I don't have compassion for. You know what I'm saying? 
seek help? Absolutely. But is that a sexual orientation? Absolutely not. And I think that society took that shit and ran with it because then you got Catholicism who where priests have to take a vow of celibacy to be a priest, but also they're surrounded by a ton of little boys. And then you got, you know, you got that connection where you're, where priests and Catholic people are suppressing their sexual desires and it's coming out sideways and, 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 and the people who are subjected to that violence are young boys. You know what I'm saying? Um, um, and things like that. So it's a myth. It's, it's one of the biggest myths about the queer community is that queer people are pedophiles. Sexual orientation and pedophilia is not one in the same. Pedophilia is not a sexual orientation. And that is a sick... Honestly, in the most blunt way possible, that's a sick connection. You know what I'm saying? So, um, <clears throat> and it is very harmful to say that to a queer person that they like either you were sexually violated that's why you're queer or um or that you you like children you know no 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 that it's it's a myth and it's a disgusting myth that needs to be debunked and never revisited now have queer people been violated by the same by the same gender of person when they were younger um totally sexual violence has no it has no uh it has no what's the word I'm looking for no one is exempt from sexual violence and sexual assault no gender race of people age etc um and tip and like a lot of times you'll have those stories where someone was violated by an older cousin like a young boy was violated by their older male cousin and and so they think that they're gay because of that. That is not, that's not true. Okay. The reality of it is when someone, when, when someone takes advantage of someone and assaults them, it's about power. You know, it's not about sexual orientation. It's about power and, and it perpetuated harmful behavior and a sickness and an illness in the, in the, in the predator's mind. It has nothing to do with the person that was violated in their orientation and there's there's healing that needs to happen on both sides but to mesh all that shit together is out of pocket completely um but i digress number 16 unsafe sexual practices and other destructive risk-taking behaviors including risk for hiv and s and other stis risky behavior is absolutely a form of self-harm and you know internalize hate for yourself in a lot of different ways a lot of these a lot of these uh examples can be used for a lot of different mental health issues and and concerns but definitely when when you're dealing with when you're dealing with self-mutilation and self-harm and continuing to um, engage in um unhealthy relationships and unhealthy situations it is a form of self-harm and a lack of self-love self-respect self-worth been there done that got a t-shirt still working on it you know what i'm saying um but yeah it's it's just really important to keep these things in mind um when you're working on your healing journey right number 17 separating sex and love or fear of intimacy sometimes low or lack of sex drive or celibacy now i found this interesting because i've been open about my sexual orientation 
and in my walk with celibacy back when I did call it celibacy right and so um I can get like that one made me clutch my pearls more than anything because I was like damn like I definitely I took a vow of celibacy now over time it transformed for me thank god uh but I was at a, when I first started my journey, I was definitely confused about a lot of things, trying to figure out what it is that I wanted to do, where I wanted to go, what was influencing in me, who I loved genuinely, who I wanted to have sex with, all this, like unpacking all of that. And I found, I found answers by closing the door to sex in general. I found my own answers um, and I found my own healing and, and it was, it, it, it still is a very interesting journey for me. Um, I think once you practice a certain level of discipline, it's just in you after you've trained your brain and your body to um, perform a certain way or believe a certain way or behave a certain way. Um, but I definitely think that when I started my journey to in sexual discipline, that it started off in internalized homophobia, especially the fact that I was like, yeah, I'm practicing celibacy. And even the video that's on our Instagram, when I talked about why celibacy, my mind has changed tremendously from the day that I did that video to present. Um, So yeah, I had to clutch my pearls with that one. Um, Separating sex and love is a really interesting one. Um, I'm oftentimes, you know, interested in hearing people's uh, thoughts about hookup culture and sneaky links and, you know, having casual sex with people. Um, but the fear of intimacy is really real for people and, um, just experiences that I've had with people lately have helped me to see how fearful people are of intimacy and how scary it can be. Um, and how sometimes people can reject intimacy because it's really real. Like when you're in an intimate setting with someone, it can get really real for the both of you, depending on your level of comfortability with intimacy, non-sexual intimacy as well, which is a conversation that we're going to have later. Okay, but I digress. Number 18, substance abuse, including drinking and drugs. 19, thinking about suicide, attempting suicide, or death by suicide. Okay, so I want to know what you all think about those things. Um, I know this is super heavy, you know, this is really heavy stuff. and if you had if you had to listen to this conversation in chunks, I don't blame you. You know, take your time. It ain't going nowhere. And I got you. I ain't gonna abandon you. I'm here. I'm here. We here together. We got this. Okay. So how has internalized homophobia shown up in your life? Is there anything that I've said in this? Uh, is there anything that I've said in this conversation? that triggered a thought, triggered an experience, uh, a memory of something that you experienced or something that happened to you or something that you might have, you know, uh, um, a journey that you might have embarked on with someone else. Um, I know that in my experience, I have... I've been in closeted relationships. I've been the closeted person in in a relationship um, I've never, I, I, I honestly haven't been in a relationship, like a, a long-term committed relationship with someone who is closeted, but I've dealt with a woman who wasn't fully out. Um, and it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a walk in the park, you know? Um, 
And I think that that could be a form of internalized homophobia. And in my experience, I'm just speaking for myself, but how how has internalized homophobia shown up in your life? And I want you guys to think about that, especially if you're a queer person dealing with, if you're a queer person dealing with internalized homophobia, or if you're a heterosexual person dealing with, you know, like maybe, maybe you have queer people in your life that you really love and care about. And you're seeing that your bias and prejudice is getting in the way of your relationship. And that is what got you here today. Think about it. How is, how is this showing up in your, you all's relationships, right? So for me, being raised in a heteronormal religious environment, quote-unquote homosexuality being immoral, was drilled into my head from a young age until about 23. And I'm still unpacking and unlearning, but it's a lot. Like I said, we have aggressive, very aggressive imagery and messaging every single day that heterosexuality is the norm, right? And everything outside of that is gross and yucky and, you know what I'm saying? It's a problem, okay? So another one is I was direct, I was indirectly taught that men showing emotions is, um, is feminine or gay. That's, that's what I'm still unpacking. Um, I have a lot of men in my life now that I really care about, and I want to connect with them on a deeper level and, and, and strengthen our relationships. But in order for them to do that, they have to be, I, I have to work within myself and figure out what is it about me that I need to unlearn to make sure that I can create a safe space for my male friends to show emotion and show their feminine side and feel safe about it, you know? But also that I've been very conditioned to think that what I said, like men being feminine, you know, hetero men being feminine is gay, you know, is wrong, you know, or showing emotion, you know, like all those things. Those are lies. Those are lies that I'm unlearning, right? to this day um so uh I was not allowed to wear masculine or baggy clothes I already said that and then um I grew up using words like trigger warning I I grew up using words like dyke saying that's gay when I didn't like something or calling someone the f word uh to cause harm um I grew up hearing that a lot and I used to say those words a lot in the in that context too now, it's been a while, but I, I like as I've gotten older, I've seen people identify as as dyke. Um, it's it's a pretty archaic term now, but if I'm not mistaken, I've seen people on TikTok and Twitter identify as baby dyke. Like there was someone who was named baby dyke, or like it was a hashtag, um, or a movement, just like self-identified hoes and. So, like the slut walk and all this other stuff, you know, like, so I would be curious to know if people still identify with the word dyke. Um, I personally don't use it. I don't use the word because I was taught that, that it was like more so a slur. I've never called someone a dyke in an endearing term. But what do you think about that? Other ways that uh, internalized homophobia have shown up in my life or um, honest, uh, honestly, it was more emphasis on tearing gay men down more than anything. And I feel like massage noir and homophobia are very much intertwined in my unpacking process. Um, and in previous relationships during some of our 
Okay, so in my previous relationship, during some of our sexual experiences, I was triggered by certain thoughts and it really interfered with my ability to enjoy our time together or achieve pleasure. And sometimes it was to the point where I would have to stop what we were doing. And this is why I always encourage TST listeners to be intuitive during sexual experiences and communicate before, during, and after sexual acts. Now, um, before me and my previous partner ended our relationship, uh, no, it was after me and my previous partner completely just ended our relationship, like had the last closure conversation, da da da, like it's over and done with, pack it up, you know, everybody go home. Um, I disclosed to her that I was dealing with body dysmorphia and internalized homophobia. And I disclosed that to her, uh, like a little bit before, like the relationship was over. I think it went over her head or, you know what I'm saying? Like it, I just didn't feel hurt, hurt at the time. But the thing about it is the reason why I feel like it's important to disclose this is, is like sex is a very, it's a very, it can be complicated if you don't take your time with it. You know, and there's a lot that happens when you are engaging in sexual acts with people. And so that's why I talk about how, for example, hookup culture, hookup culture is really important. Uh, like having having morals and boundaries around the way you hook up with people is really important. I told I genuinely believe that your sexual partners should leave better than when, when you found them. And so if I was a hookup culture type of person, these are the type of practices I would still practice is, you know, um, before care, during care and after care communication, you know what I'm saying? Um, and, and even say, say I'm hooking up with somebody and they have a thought or something happens during our sexual encounter that they don't feel comfortable enough or uh, that it's appropriate to disclose that to me. Hopefully they have, have somebody that they could talk to. That's something I would want to know. Like something happened for me during our sexual experience. It's nothing that you did. It's just something that came up for me. And I'm going to take it up with my therapist or, you know, my friend or, you know, this trusted person in my life. I don't care who you are. I don't care the level of our relationship. I want, I want the encounters that people have with me to be healthy. And I want people to feel better when they leave me. Right. Um, but that's just me. You know what I'm saying? I digress. <laughs> but yeah. Communicate with your sexual partners. Communicate in your relationships. Communicate with your friends. Communicate with your family. Build that foundation. Because it's so important. We have so many thoughts in one day. We have so many feelings in one day. I have a friend recently that, you know, like, the 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 level of our the level of our intimacy can be so intense sometimes that it causes it causes a lot of feelings for me, right? And so I, I'm doing this 90 second thing, right? Where I'm like, if I feel a feeling, I'm going to give it 90 seconds to be here and pass. And if it doesn't pass, then I'll bring it up. But if it does, then I'll just let it go, you know, but it's taken a lot of practice and a lot of exercises to get through that. And it's not easy, but sometimes people can come around you and trigger really big feelings what do we have in place to make sure that we can get through this? What channels of expression do we have? You know what I'm saying? Maybe you need to run a lap. Maybe you need to do some push-ups. Maybe you need to dance. Maybe you need to drink some water. Maybe you need to uh, laugh. Maybe you need to send a text to somebody, you know, like, uh, you know, so I always tell people, <clears throat> I always tell people, like, I have really big feelings. I, I feel things deeply and it, you know, if I check out, I'll be right back. Or you know what I'm saying? If I if I take a break or if I take space, I'll be right back. But not everything 
keep in mind that not everything needs to be expressed in that moment or to that person, right? So yeah, it's a lot of work, but I mean, what kind of life are you trying to live? You, you, you know what I'm saying? Um, and last but not least, what have you done to unlearn and relearn? When it comes to internalized homophobia, what are we doing to unlearn and relearn in a healthy manner, of course? So for me, I would I would say living as open living as an openly queer person has challenged a lot of my insecurities. Um, and something that I like to do or I do my best to do is like when an insecurity rises, I, I ask it. I ask that insecurity, what are you doing here? And how can I help you? And what's the root? Where did you come from? Right? Get really real with your feelings. What are you feeling right now? And where did it come from? Okay? Um, so yeah, my insecurities, I'm building a better relationship with them, okay? Um, immersing myself in queer queer and queer plus black spaces have helped. Now, there's a difference. There's queer spaces and then there's black queer spaces. I'm just going to leave that as that. I think if y'all been rocking with the sex talk long enough to know what the fuck I mean by queer and queer, black queer spaces and the, the, the separation, I don't need to explain myself. And if you, and if, if this is your first episode of listening to sex talk, I advise you to listen to more of them because you'll, you'll figure it out. You'll figure out where my politics lie when it comes to that. Okay. Um, educating myself, reading, watching documentaries, having conversations with queer folks in domestic partnerships and marriages. Something I really value is long-term relationships, healthy relationships. And, um, something that I want to lean more into is, you know, asking, um, asking those questions that I'm afraid to ask. You know, I don't like to jump up in people's business right away. But if you in my life for a few years, I'm you best believe I'm going to jump in your business at some point. I'm not going to jump in your business in an inappropriate way. I'm going to ask a question. You can always you can always decline. Feel I always say feel free to decline. I have a question, but feel free to decline. Okay? Cuz I'll just have to deal with that rejection. I'll be all right. We talked about we talked about rejection on the, the sex talk. But yeah, ask questions. And also, are there healthy, you know, something that I believe about relationships is that the relationships that you have in your life should be an example to others. Whether it's a marriage, domestic partnership, a long-term relationship, friendship, whatever. It should be a relation. If people know that you're in relationship with other people, that relationship should be a positive example to them. And to some extent, you know what I'm saying? Like one of my friends just told me that my relationship with my niece has impacted them in a positive way. They see how I am with my niece and it has shown them that those type of relationships, like a positive relationship with a, a, a little person in your life is important and it's healthy. And she sees that person express that they, they appreciate the way that I communicate with my niece my relationship with my niece should be an example. It should be a positive example. So do you have queer, do you have positive queer relationships in your life that are example to you of what the way you should be treated in a relationship, platonic, romantic, etc. You know what I'm saying? Um, boom. And then you got queer affirming therapy. Um, shout out to my therapist, all the therapists that I've had. I just feel so blessed, right? All the therapists that I've had long-term, queer affirming queer affirming 
um, you know, two, two, two of my, two of my previous therapists were white and they were, they had collective consciousness, their politics were there. They're really, they were really good people at heart. I could see it through their work. And my current therapist, she's a black woman, queer affirming, and she serves, she serves women in particular. And so I think that that's really uh, important too. Um, and then also journaling about some real journaling about some real harmful and mean thoughts that I've had about myself and other queer people, not judging myself about those thoughts, but really getting to the root of them and changing those thoughts have helped um, unlearn and relearn. Also deepening my spiritual practice. I don't care what you do in the world. You, ha- I just, I don't care what you believe in. You have to have a spiritual practice of some sort to keep you grounded. I just believe that. Even if it's deep breathing, you know, meditation that has no, uh, you know, religious, you know, like, uh, connotation to it or whatever. I just think that people should have a spiritual practice that is, well, I mean, we're whole human beings. And if you're not in tune with your spirit, are you living a holistic life? You know what I'm saying? So not to get all spiritual and religious on folks, I just feel like regardless of what you do, you should do what you need to do to get grounded and deepen your spiritual practice because this stuff, while we're un- we're, we're unpacking it, it can really fuck with your head. It can really fuck with your head and have you out here like, who did it and why? Who shot John and, and, and boo-boo the fool? Everybody, you know what I'm saying? So spir- uh, deepen your spiritual practice, people get grounded when you're working on yourself it is hard out here it's really hard out here i'm not gonna pretend like it's not but at any rate i just want to encourage folks to think about those things what do you think about that okay thank you so much that concludes our time thank you so much for uh being here with me thank you for uh, having this conversation, if you made it to the end of this conversation, I really appreciate you. And I really hope that you find healing in these conversations in some type of way. Like I said, don't hesitate to reach out to me, the TST, Instagram, Facebook, our email, whatever. Um, and if you want those websites, let me know. I'll comment them or send them to you, whatever. And also, Reach out to trusted people in your life. And if, if you if you have little to no trusted people in your life, then then before you have this conversation, you might need to have that conversation and find some people that you can actually trust. And start with trusting yourself first. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, we made it. We made it through this conversation and, and we did a great job. You did this. We did this. We got it. Um, continue to support the sex talk and fuck with us. Um... And if you want to, so if you want to support us, feel free to do so by uh, Cash App or Venmo, TST, TV143. Engage with our posts. Keep the conversation going. It doesn't stop here. And I'll talk to y'all later. Bye.